So this morning, I pray that for all of you, this is going to be an encouragement. This is something that God has laid on my heart to, to encourage us in kind of the form of a reminder of who we as Christians are to him and not who people say we are or not what people think of us based on some gossip or something we did or maybe something that we were delivered from in our past, but who we are to him, how we're defined by him. Sometimes we live with this stigma of all of these things in the world weighing us down. And when we focus too much on that, talking about focus on Jesus, when we focus too much on that, that kind of becomes our identity, right? We allow that to affect us and and infect us in such a way that we carry that. And, And when people see you, we're called to live in such a way that they see Jesus through us and that they're reminded of God through us. And so I just want to encourage this morning. I want to encourage you on how God sees you. And you're not defined by the world. You're defined by the creator of the world. And so this morning we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. And Peter gives a really good encouragement in this to some believers. And I'm going to be starting to read in verse 4. And we're going to go in 1 Peter chapter 2. There we go. Now I'm back up. 4 through 12. And so listen as this word is spoken. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to you who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were, a peop- once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that this word would just sink into our hearts, God, that the roots would just grab hold of us, God, and it would be our foundation to understand that we are chosen by you. And God, this understanding that we once were in sin, but as you sent your son, you sent a way out, an option, an exit strategy. And if we take hold of that in our lives, then we'll live as the chosen people that you have chosen us. God, I pray that we would come to complete understanding in that today, God. And that would be what we're defined as 
in our own hearts and minds so that others can see it through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so when he starts off in this and he talks about this stone, and Peter's been talking about how Christ is the capstone. sees the foundation of the house of God. The world did not receive him. They stumbled over him. See, because he came like a servant when they were expecting a king. He came to suffer when they were expecting a conqueror. As the Jews rejected him at his coming, so the rest of the unbelieving world rejected and stumbled over him. And listen to this again in 8 and 9. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. The message is what they were destined for. The message is what we're destined for. He says, but you are a chosen people. Which takes us to this whole focus this morning, this sermon title, whatever you want to call it, being the chosen. To come to this understanding that we have been chosen. Have you ever been chosen to do something you didn't want to do? Amen. I was chosen for something that I didn't want to do yesterday. By my wonderful, beautiful, amazing bride. Which actually of Friday, March 5th, has been 10 years. We've been married 10 years. Brownie points. I'm so lucky. I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed. And then yesterday. So I still am, dear. It's all good. I still am. So yesterday, um, she had this, some women's thing y'all were doing up here. I don't know. But no, I'm just kidding. It's awesome. So she tells me like Thursday or Friday, hey, I've got to go up to this women's deal. And uh, we have soccer and pictures and all this stuff. And I was kind of listening and then when I heard that I was going to have to do all this stuff on my own with the kids, I was like, say what? Because I don't know about some of you guys, but okay, I love my kids. Hear me when I say that. They're a blessing from God and I'm so thankful for them and, and, and God has entrusted them to me and that's how we should always view our kids. No matter the situation, no matter what's going on, doesn't matter. They're a blessing. They're entrusted to us. But I have a patience issue that the Lord continues to convict me about and I continue to go to the altar for and I'm a lot better than I once was. And Brooke can amen that. I'm surprised she didn't stand up and shout. I'm way better than I once was. I really am. And the Lord has really grown me in that. But to think that I have to get up and get all the kids ready for soccer, make sure that they don't get dirty before their games because we have pictures at a different place than the field. And then we have to leave there and make sure we get to the game on time. And I got to make sure that the paperwork and the check goes to the right people there. And, and, and I've got all the kids on my own. And we go do the pictures and then the game. And then I got to go do the next one's pictures. And then we have a game after that without her help because she's so amazing. She's so embarrassed right now. It terrifies me. It terrifies me. I am not good at it. I don't have patience. It's an issue. It's a problem. It's something that I didn't want to do, but I had to do it. I had to do it because it was important to her and it was important to my kids. That sounds, that makes me sound really bad, but I'm just being transparent. I'm just being honest. 
I'm not good with that stuff. I'm way better than I used to do, way better than I used to be. Um, So that was something that she had chosen me for that I didn't want to do. And so, and so often the important things that God has called us to do, the really important things, how we react to people in the world, how we respond to difficult things, how we reflect Christ, how we tell others about him, the really, really important things that God calls us to are so often the most difficult ones for us to follow through, right? It's difficult. Sometimes I know whenever I lived of the world and I was living in sin, BC, and I was doing things that were wrong. When that transformation happened for me, it would have been a lot easier for me to just continue doing the things that I once did. Because that's how I was conditioned. That's just who I was. That's what I wanted to do. It was all about me. It was all about my comfort zone, where I wanted to stay. What I wanted to do um, is very, very selfish. And then God comes in and he's like, no, 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 you, you got to be selfless. You got to be without self. I'm like, but I, that's hard. That's hard for me to do. That's really hard. I feel like because it's hard, because the really important things to God are hard, are because they're important. So be encouraged this morning in this understanding of the fact that, yes, it's hard, And sometimes we don't do it exactly right, but it's hard because it's important, okay? If it was easy, it probably wouldn't be that important. It's difficult because it's important. And through that difficulty and through that growth, there's perseverance that comes. And we reach new levels of our relationship with God and and the things that once were difficult in our lives and, and the things that used to bring us down and the sin that we used to fall back into is no longer that much of a problem, right? Because we've pushed through, we've persevered, we've lived as his chosen people. Growth happens the most through difficulty. I believe that is true in so many aspects of life, if not all of them. Growth happens the most through difficulty. I want you to hear that. Growing pains is what I think of. I think of the fact that it's kind of painful. It's kind of hard. But it's because it's important. It's because we become a new creation. And the things that we were conditioned once before in the world is now not who we are anymore. And so we have to get reconditioned. And as we allow him to do that, we have to die to ourselves. We have to carry our cross. We have to live different. We have to be different. We have to completely change And the Lord wants to do that in us because we're chosen. Because he has chosen us. What a responsibility that is. And this this word comes in my mind about comfort zones and and kind of staying in our bubble. And and, and I know in my personal growth, (laughs) I never used to like to deal with people. And here I am now. I think the Lord's got a... He's kind of funny about that. He's like, oh, really? It's about what you like? Well, I'm going to completely do the opposite because I'm different. 
And so we remain in this comfort zone and this bubble where we just feel so safe and it's just all about me and, and I don't have to worry about anything else and I don't have to, to bother with anybody else. I don't have to deal with anybody else. But here's the thing. Your capacity will never increase in your comfort zone. The capacity that you have to do great things as God's chosen people will never increase while you remain in your comfort zone. It'll never grow if you remain in your comfort zone. Remember that your capacity will never increase in your comfort zone. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And Peter knows something about that. And so it's no accident that that was on my heart with, with what we heard testified this morning because I think he's very qualified about knowing how to get out of his comfort zone because I think about him stepping out of the boat and on that water. And I think this is probably not something that he did every day. Like, you know, his alarm went off on his phone and he's like, oh, it's midnight. I got to go out and take a stroll on the lake, you know? No, this was out of his comfort zone. I mean, we see in scripture that he was bold and he stepped out of the boat, but surely this was out of his comfort zone. Surely this wasn't something that he thought about all the time, but he, you know, we don't really see anything that this was his desire of his heart was to, to walk on water. And so I feel like as we read from his account of what the Lord spoke to and through him, as he walked along with Jesus and he saw these miracles, I think he's pretty qualified to, to talk to us about getting out of our comfort zone. And if you want to be completely used the way that the Lord has in mind, not your own limitations, not where you think that you can be or how far you think that you can go, but if you want to be completely used the way that God wants to use you, then you have to get out of your comfort zone. And it'll be difficult, but that's because it's important. In verse 9, Peter starts with, but but you are chosen. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You're a chosen people. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever lived as if you're chosen? You're chosen by the one, the great creator, the great I am, the one that performed all these miracles, that parted the Red Sea, that healed, that cast out demons, that commands things into motion, that speaks things into existence. You are chosen by him. Not how the world has chosen you, not how you think you are, but you are chosen by him. Let that sink into your heart and come to a full understanding of that. We are chosen by the God of all creation, of the universe, of everything. You are chosen by him. He doesn't say, you're that sin over there or you're that, I don't have time for you because you're too difficult or you're that rejection or, or you're that one that slips those words you shouldn't be using all the time. You're that angry one. No, no, no. He says, you're chosen. And if you'll believe that, if you'll own that, come to a complete understanding that you are chosen It'll make you realize that you're here for a bigger purpose. That God has a purpose and a plan for you that goes so much further 
or farther, I don't know which one, than you could ever begin to imagine. And that the limitations that you've placed on your own life and your own heart are way down here. And God's like, I can take you up here if you'll just believe it. If you'll just believe that you're chosen and you'll give me full control of your life. I can do amazing things through you. That should be an encouragement to us. That should change everything. Because we get so focused in our bubble and we get so comfortable. And God calls us to get out of our comfort zone, right? I'm out of my comfort zone. You're chosen. Tony Foster, you're chosen. Phyllis Cottle, you're chosen. Donna Burks, you're chosen. Mark Young, you're chosen. You are chosen by God. It is amazing that God wants to use us. It is amazing because we lived in sin, because we were destined to die on that cross, and He took our place. You're a royal priesthood. Jamie Clare, you're a royal priesthood. You are God's holy possession. Marsfield Church of the Nazarene, you are God's holy nation. We are anointed and appointed by the very one that created us, that put us here for his purpose, for his focus, for his everything. Let that sink in, soak that in. You're chosen. Live like you're chosen. The creator of all, the creator, the one that, that created the dust that he picked up and formed us out of and spoke us into existence. From that point, he chose us. No matter what anyone says about you, you're chosen by God. No matter what lie the devil has got you believing about yourself, you're chosen by God. No matter how you see yourself, you're chosen by God. No matter how you've been treated or talked down to or ignored or made fun of or felt unworthy or unloved or unappreciated, you are chosen by God. Don't ever let anything define you apart from the Lord. You cannot be defined apart from the Lord. You're defined as God's chosen people. So now Peter shows us in verse 11 and 12 after he establishes that, that you, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You, this is who you are. After he establishes that in verses 11 and 12, he says, dear friends, I urge you, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you. This is so important. This is important to God. That's why it's difficult. It's important to God. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. He urges us. As Christians, we should live drastically different from the world. It shouldn't even be a question that we're chosen or not. Drastically different. Christ taught the same thing in, in Matthew 13 when he said, you are the salt of the earth. 
And what does salt do? Salt preserves. So we are chosen to preserve, preserve, preserve the decay of the earth, right? And then in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. We're very, very important to him. What he's called us to do is very, very, very important to him. It becomes no longer about us, but about him. So it's so important that we, as a chosen people, reflect Jesus no matter what. No matter what that looks like. Have you ever had someone in your life that's just full of excuses? Like no matter what. So I played basketball. I always talk about basketball. It was a big part of my life. Um, So when I played basketball in high school, we had this point guard and... uh, he had excuses no matter what when things didn't go his way. And if you were guarding him really tight and close and he missed a shot, foul, foul. That's foul. That's foul. I'm like, what? I was sitting over here on the bench. How did I foul you? Like, I don't understand. That foul. Nope, that's foul. All the time. And listen, I love him. I'm, trying to, I'm just saying, that's just who came to mind when I thought about this. Always had an excuse for something that didn't go right for him. It was never his fault. Or like if he dribbled the ball out of bounds or it obviously went off his foot or um, some sort of turnover happened where we lost the ball. It was always, well, there's sweat on the ball. We got to, in the first time we would get a break or something, he'd go get a towel and he'd wipe the ball off. I'm like, dude, you dribbled it off your foot. That has nothing to do with the fact if there's sweat on the ball or not. He always had excuses. Always. No matter what, it was never his fault. It was always somebody else or something else that happened. And we do that sometimes with God. We're really, it's really hard to do the good things sometimes, but man, we're really good at excuses, aren't we? We're really good at excuses. Well, I just, I've got, I've got too much else going on and, and I got to do this. And I feel like God's like, I want you to go talk to this person about what I've done in your life. And we're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. And he's like, of what? Well, I, I don't know, um, rejection. And he's like, I know a little something about rejection. So uh, you're in good hands here. Well, I, I just, I don't, I'm just, I'm not good enough. And he's like, well, but I'm made perfect through your weakness. In fact, my strength is shown most in your weakness. And we're like, well, I'll just do it later. And he's like, yeah, but your later usually becomes never. And we're really good at excuses. We have all these excuses why we can't do what God has called us to do. And God has one very important truth that I really want you to understand this morning about, this is one, one truth. We have all these tons of excuses. He has this one truth about why we can do all the things that he's called us to do. Because we're chosen, because we're chosen by him to do it. All that authority and all that power and everything that we need to be able to carry out this calling that he has on our life, he gives us. We have that. We try to throw an excuse at it. And he's like, no, I got that. 
We try to throw all these things at it. And he's like, no, you're chosen. Just trust me. Let me have control. I've got this. I've got you. Don't ever let an excuse steal your potential. Don't ever let an excuse steal your potential. God has anointed and appointed and empowered you to do amazing things in this life. To be a part of something bigger than yourself. Don't waste another second of this precious gift of life with excuses that are stealing your potential. We just have but a small time. And what we do in that time is going to affect all this eternity afterwards. Don't waste another second with excuses that are stealing the potential that you have in the Lord. You have power and purpose that far exceeds your own limitations of what you think you can do. Because if you have stepped into that relationship with God, you've been given the Holy Spirit which dwells within you. You have God's favor, his mercy, his grace, his authority, his peace, his strength. He has given you everything that you need to accomplish his will and to conquer this life because you are chosen. We should live with that confidence knowing that God is with us and that he will help us through everything and that he will give us what we need. Own it. You're chosen. That should be our confidence. We should have so much confidence, not cockiness, confidence. We should have so much confidence in us that people can't mistake us for followers of Christ. It should be unmistakable. You're chosen. It's so important that we come into this understanding today. It's so important. It's hard because it's important. I'm going to have Landon come up now. I think that God wants to for sure deliver some of you today from maybe the bondage of, of things that people have said about you that you've believed for far too long about who you are. It's been a mistaken identity, identity theft by the enemy because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? He's trying to steal your identity. Don't let it happen. Don't believe it any longer. God has chosen you. That's who you are. Maybe some of you just need more of an encouragement to continue to spur you on to do the things that God has called you to do. To continue being his chosen. To continue speaking his name into all the situations in your life. Maybe some of you just needed a reminder. You just needed a reminder this morning of who you are. Maybe some of you needed comfort. A comfort to know how God sees you. Maybe some of you are living in sin and despair. I don't know how you can get through it without him. But I can tell you what, if you will give him your complete heart, if you will give him complete control, God will transform you. And he can take away all that sin and despair, that depression, that feeling of 
not wanting to live anymore because you'll come into this understanding now into a new relationship where God says, you're chosen and you've got purpose and it's my purpose. And I'll give you everything that you need. I will fill your life with blessings and joy. It may not be how you think that it's supposed to look, but it's exactly what you need. Maybe some of you need deliverance today. Deliverance from whatever bondage is holding you back from being the chosen one that God has called you to be. I don't know what that is. But God does. And I know if we seek him and his kingdom, all these things will be given us. And he'll give us a new kind of passion. He'll ignite a new kind of fire under us in this understanding that there's this huge purpose for our lives and that there's people that are affected by the way that I live my life. And that my children need to see it in me. My spouse needs to see it in me. The people I work with, they need to see it in me. The girl that's working at the bank that's a single mom that is living in despair, she needs to see it in me. People in line at Walmart that are angry because the checker's taking too long, they need to see it in me. We've got purpose. We gotta live like it. So I wanna invite you to come this morning. Would you just take this time to, to humble yourselves? Would you guys stand with me, please? Just to humble ourselves before the Father and to say, God, maybe I'm not where I need to be. Maybe I'm not living as your chosen. God, help me to be that. Or maybe I don't understand this because I don't have a relationship with you. Whatever it is, whatever God is calling you to, whatever God is speaking to you in this morning, let's just spend this time to humble ourselves before the Father, before the Creator, the one that's chosen us, and say, God, you can have it. Or God, help me. Or God, take this. Or God, open me up. Or God, empty me out. Empty my heart completely of anything that doesn't have to do with the goodness and greatness of you. And fill me back up with everything that you have for me. Fill me up so much with your Holy Spirit, God, that it just spills out, that I live on that overflow, that that overflow can be seen by all those around me, God, that it would just spill off into them, God, that I would step into a place and they would know that I am different from the world. Whatever that is, just come this morning. Come and bring it to the Father and trust and believe, maybe for the first time, maybe it's for the first time ever that you will trust and believe that he can take it from you, deliver it from you, move you to another situation, confirm things in your life, whatever it is, maybe this is the first time that you would come and humble yourself before him and believe it and receive it. God, I just pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts right now. God, that you would call those that you're speaking to to come to you, God, that they would draw near to you, God, that they would hear your voice, God, that they would open their hearts and receive a life-changing message, God, that that could change everything. God, I pray that they would come now, that those that you've called to come before you would come now, God, and they would kneel and they would humble themselves before you and say, it's about you, it's not about me. And God, that you would just continue to reaffirm to our hearts that we are chosen by you and how important that is. 
And God, I just pray that we would receive the importance of that this morning. And like you spoke into Peter, that after understanding that, that we would live our lives that way, God. That we would live as your chosen. God, I pray that you would speak in this moment right now, God. And that we would hear your voice clearly. And that we would respond how you've called us to respond. We give you this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.